welcome to Basketball with Glasses, a show by and for college basketball nerds. I'm your host, Bryson Harvey, and joining me, as always, Luke Smith. Hey, Luke. Hey, Bryson. Do you know what week week. it is? Do you know what week it is? (laughs) It is week six. It's week six. And everybody thinks we're crazy right now because they have no idea why we're talking about this. Oh, but they will. They They will. will. All right. Well, before we dive into all of the week six discussion, uh, just a couple of things. Historical bracketology is still a thing. Luke is working on some new posts that should go up within the next couple of weeks, uh, covering some benchmarks and some other big ticket items. So you want to make sure that you're uh, checking out the uh, the website. And I'm also working on a new piece um, that is kind of identifying, trying to identify the four key factors beyond Kim Palm's four factors uh, that make up the best team. And it's a lot of math. It's a lot of Excel sheets. My brain kind of hurts from staring at Excel sheets all day. Yeah. But uh, you know, working on that, trying to build that up so that we've got um, another metric to look at. So building that on the fly. But anyway, just kind of keep that, um, you know, check out the website, uh, which is basketballwithglasses.wordpress.com. Someday we will have our own URL, uh, yeah. but that day is not today. Uh, and as always, uh, subscribe, um, let, you know, if you haven't already so that you get our latest episodes and encourage friends to subscribe. You know, this is a very, you know, our, our audience, Luke, has grown. We've gone up to about 27 consistent listeners. Yeah. Week, Hello, 27 is, people. <laughs> so we Come are on. grateful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we are grateful for all of you who listen, mostly family, but, you know, that's all right. Um, and I'm, I, I know that ads are a thing. And, you know, that is something that we're hoping to develop here. Um, so I know that you'll hear my voice give a shout out to anchor.fm, which is what we use to record all of this and put this out for you all. Um, so I apologize for the ads, but also know that they help us pay for all of the crazy subscriptions to analytics that we use to right. bring this great, great A content to you. Um, and finally, the last promo before we get started, Team Tracker episodes, still a thing. Last week we did Purdue. I guess Purdue just has tuned out our our podcast probably because of your bias against them. They're pretending that I don't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Um, So I haven't had many listeners on that, but next week, the breakdown, Big Blue, we're coming for you. (laughs) Oh, man. I have so many questions. I'm going to be waiting for that one. I can't be on it. Bryson asked me if I wanted to be on it, and I was like, I think it's best if I don't know if I'm not. Yeah. So anyway, breaking it down, going to look at some, we got access to some synergy stats. So looking at some pick and roll transition, offense, defense. So we're going to pick and roll. Yeah. Yeah. They run pick and roll. uh, um, Well, we're going to, we're going to find out. Uh, So, but all the advanced analytics plus I'm going to rewatch as painful as it might be some UK games and, and, and take, pick those apart. So anyway, with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive in. It's week six. It is week six. It is week six, Bryson. And this so is what a does very that mean? important week. It's a very important week. And if you don't know why, if you do know what we're talking about, it's probably because you've uh, read some of John Gassaway's stuff in the past at ESPN.com. But even before that, when he was at Basketball Prospectus, um, he, he came up with this. He, I don't know. I don't know how you come up with. Uh, how do you discover a stat like this? But somehow he discovered it. It's been a few years now. But basically it is this. The AP uh, Week 6 poll, particularly the top 12 of the AP Week 6 poll, has predicted the national champion every single year. I, I went back to 1990. It's predicted it every single year except for one year. <laughs> Let me guess. <laughs> that it, would be UConn. It wasn't UConn. It what? wasn't 2014 UConn. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to go through it here and I and and to be clear, it's not like the number 1 team. Excuse me. It, it's not the number 1 team in the AP Week 6 poll. It's the top 12. So basically, the champion almost always comes from the AP Week 6 top 12. Why? Why does it work that way? 
Why do we know more in week six than we know at the in the preseason or in the last poll? Uh, who knows? But we do. It's serendipitous. But okay, so listen to this. Let me. I'll go backwards here. 2021, Baylor, second in the week six AP poll. I'm not going to say that every time because it's kind of hard to say a bunch of yes. times. <laughs> um, uh, 19, 2019, Virginia was number six. Villanova in 2018, number one. UNC in 17, number seven. You go back, uh, Villanova in 2016 was number 12. Everybody else has been in the top 10. The one exception to this rule was 2003 Syracuse. They were oh. not rated. They weren't rated at all in week six. Wow. They weren't even in the poll. Unranked. And so Unranked. we're talking about, uh, that's Mello, right? That's Carmelo. Yeah. Carmelo, Jerry McNamara. Um, and somehow that's never happened again. They've always been in the top 12. So fascinating. So we can basically stop the play now. I mean, the, every, all the other teams that aren't in the top 12 this week can just stop <laughs> thanks playing. playing. Right? <laughs> yeah, thanks for playing. Uh, thanks for playing. We just need you to fill out the bracket. Yes, yes. I mean, because there's got to be 67 other teams in it. So that is part yeah. of it. Well, I, you know, I'm looking back here. So it's interesting. 2003 Syracuse, just because I'm curious mm -hmm. why there are exceptions. Their first game, they lost to Memphis on a neutral site. This Memphis team, um, I don't remember anybody on this team. Earl Barron is on the team, but like, what? Uh, like, I don't Man. remember anybody was... else. Chris Massey, um, they were 29th in Ken Palm that year. Memphis they made the was. tournament that year. Memphis did, I believe. Yes. So, but. Otherwise, the Syracuse's schedule included Valparaiso, which was 93rd in Ken Palm, Colgate, Cornell, UNC Greensboro, uh, Binghampton, the Georgia Tech was probably its biggest win. And that was the year before they were very good. And that was December 21st, which is probably the week after... That, that might probably, have been the week the poll came out. That, yeah. That might have not counted towards it. So, so they really didn't have any high-quality wins up to that point. So that, that kind of makes sense. Um, and obviously, Carmelo got a lot better as the season went on, mm -hmm. and they started beating better and better teams progressively. Um, and, you know, freshmen take a long time, especially a freshman as good as uh, Carmelo. Uh, but anyway, that would, that would explain the exception but let's look. So who are our top 12 teams this week, Luke? Okay, so in the top 12 in order, you have Baylor, Duke, Purdue, UCLA, Gonzaga, Alabama, Kansas, Arizona, Villanova, USC, Iowa State, Michigan State. Uh, so sorry to um, Kentucky and Arkansas. You guys... <laughs> Took some pretty and Texas, they Texas all fell. They all fell out. They were in it last week, but you know what? Last week doesn't count. It's like mm -hmm. it, it. It doesn't even matter. This is the only poll that matters. It's like they <laughs> knew that Kentucky was going to South Bend. Oh man. Um. Anyway, I'm well. I not to digress. So in looking at this, um, I think that it's interesting how how well this actually fits. I mean. In thinking about the teams this year, and you know, I've looked at Ken Palm, I've looked at some different um, compilations of rankings and systems. It's just uh, there's something about the way that that everything is lining up with these twelve teams. It does have my what I would consider the top tier talent wise, maybe not strength of record or anything like that, but Duke, Purdue, Gonzaga. They have been by far the best three teams that I've watched. Baylor has been impressive, especially in their win against Villanova. I, I got to say, out of the teams that are still in the top 12, I'm a little surprised Villanova hung in there. Yeah. Thoughts? Well, you know, maybe it was fate. Maybe it's because they're predestined to win the national championship and that and, and 
everything, all the, the basketball universe knew that they had to be in that top 12 or else the most impressive streak in college basketball would be uh, in jeopardy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you you score less than, what, 40 yeah, in a, what was in a the, game? That, that was bad. I mean, they, and, they look terrible against Baylor. 36 points. That's... Yeah. That's awful. Um, the only reason I can think that they're still in the top 12 is because everybody else, there was a lot of teams that lost last week. And Well, and I guess I they're know. giving them a lot of credit for their losses. So if you look at who they've lost to, they lost at UCLA by nine. They lost against Purdue by six. And they've lost to Baylor. Those three teams are also in the top 12. So they haven't had a bad loss. Now, because I was curious, my team that I'm surprised is on the outside looking in in this is Houston. Yeah. so They didn't move. They were 14th last week and they stayed pat. Right. And I guess that's fair just in terms of, you know, it wasn't a bad loss. So maybe they just they kind of keep them where they are, um, but they did lose. So, you know, they lost a heartbreaker against Wisconsin um, in the Maui Gym Maui Invitational. They lost by two in that early contest, and then they lost to Alabama on a. Eh, I I I I don't think it was a goaltend. If you've seen the play. Mm-hmm. It looks like it didn't have a shot of going in, but nonetheless, you're that close to winning a game against Alabama. So, you know, they've lost, they have two losses by a combined three points this year, and they were actually one of my favorite teams. Now, they are currently sitting fifth in Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. Could could they become the second exception here? They could. Yeah, I mean... They have a little bit of history working against them just because also, I don't know how you feel about the American, if you feel like it's a mid-major or not. Um, Mid-major teams have been, I just asked Gonzaga Gonzaga last year, I mean, mid-major teams, it's almost like there's this giant wall in between them and the national championship. But, I mean, UConn 2014 was in the American, but does that really count? I mean, that was basically the first year it existed and, Louisville right. is still in it and stuff. I, I, the recruiting I mean, was way different, yeah. I kind of give that one. I chalk that championship up to the Big East still. I mean, yes. for all intents they, purposes, they recruited the All those players were recruited to the Big East. Yes, I would agree. You know, but And I, even I, Ken Palm's got them, like the American, as like a, a full tier below. Like yeah. in looking at how they rate them, you know, all of the other, you know, the other, the six power conferences are double digits in their adjusted EM rating. Uh and then the American is seventh, but they are at seven point three. So it's definitely yeah. a teardrop. Yeah, and I mean, you know, UNLV in ninety, they won the title as I guess they would be. I don't know. Conferences are so different back then; it's really hard to compare. Right. Um, since then, I mean, oh eight Memphis was a Robert Dozier three point full court heave away <laughs> from uh, breaking the streak. But even then, I mean, yeah, I guess the closest might be Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward right. would definitely that was definitely like literally the closest inches away <laughs> from happening. And you know, of course, Gonzaga last year, but um, it depends if you're a uh, if you're a college basketball determinist, then you just think that like they're just they're disqualified just because yeah. they don't belong to one of the power six. So, and also they're not in the AP six, week six top twelve. So there you go, two strikes. There it is. All right, so. We know that there are going to be 11 teams out of these 12 that won't win. Which three mm. would you pick to be definitely bet against them? Even though they're in this list, they aren't winning the championship. Okay, I'm going to pick one obvious one, Iowa State. Um, <laughs> All right. How they're here even is a mystery. Uh, they have, they're have 10-0. Congratulations. They, yes, and they are currently 50th in Ken Palm. Um. Another one I will pick against would probably be USC. I feel like they might be. They're also undefeated. I feel like once conference play, I think they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know if I could see them having the pieces to go all the way. You know, maybe Final Four. They're Final Four. They could make a Final Four. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But 
championship, I'd definitely be surprised. And the next one I'm going to pick is going to be controversial. Okay. I would not bet on Baylor. Wouldn't do it. Ooh. Ooh, okay. All right. Let's dive into this. Why Baylor okay. look outside looking in? Okay. So, you know, I'm all about history repeating itself in the, in March Madness. You know how many times teams have won back-to-back in the past 30 years? It's got to be just Florida, right? Oh, Duke. Duke in 91-92. Oh, but that was okay. like the thing that those two teams have in common is basically every important player came back. Like it, that was a use, that was normal in early nineties, but with Florida, it was a bunch of players turning down tons of money. They had the basically the exact same team. This Baylor is Baylor's not the exact same team. They lost their three of the best players, and and we've seen this before. We in twenty seventeen Villanova number one overall seed. They get upset in the second round. I don't know why. No no. Here's a stat for you. No defending champion other than Florida has made it past the Sweet 16 since, like, 2001. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Michigan State made it to the Final Four, I believe, in, 20, in 2001. And then there's you got no repeats, and then you got Florida, and then none of the other teams have made it past the Sweet 16. So wow. I don't know why that is, but that gives me reason enough to pick against Baylor. Yeah, no, I think, honestly, this is why I picked against Baylor to start with, to start the season, um, was really around, I thought they lost too much. Um, mm-hmm. You got Mitchell gone, you've got all of these guys that played such a huge role, uh, you know, just looking looking at their squad, Jared Butler, who was Ken Palm Player of the Year fourth last year. He played 75% of the minutes, he's gone. Um Davion Mitchell, gone. Macy Oteague, gone. And so between Mark Vidal, gone. I mean, I just don't understand. I understand that they replaced some players. A flagler has played a little bit more. But it's really, you know, and I'm looking at this team. James Akinjo, the, the transfer from Arizona, has just stepped in and been everything for that team in a way that he definitely was not for Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, along with their backcourt went their three point shooting. They led the country last year. If you want a basketball reason not to pick them instead of just a, a historical, whatever you would call what I was talking about um, <laughs> their 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 three-point shooting has gone from leading the country to 157. They're barely shooting over 33% at this point. Right. But on the flip side, they are repeating their success in turnover percentage. They were fourth last year. They are second this year. Hmm. They're limiting offensive rebounds. The disparity, this has to be where it's coming from. Their disparity in offensive rebound percentage versus their offensive rebounds versus what the other team is getting is like sixteen percent. Yeah, which is a huge that like that's a gulf. Like last year, it was really good because they're they're always really good at offensive rebounding, but the gap was about seven percent. This year, we're looking at sixteen. I mean, that ten yeah. percent of your possessions that you're keeping them from getting and that you're you are retaining. That that is a huge huge factor, um, and so you know what that looks like. Looking at their game against Villanova, you know their offensive rebound percentage. They actually gave up um, a higher number, uh, but they just shot the lights out, and Villanova shot terribly. Um, but a lot of that is their defense, and a lot of it, I will say, goes to their length. They are mm-hmm. one of the taller teams, um, which helps a lot defensively. Um, their average height is 90th in the. I mean, they're above average, but especially in the front court, they've got a lot of long arms. It it makes it difficult. Um, I don't know. I mean, some of these trends are difficult to match. I don't believe that they have the firepower to keep this up, but. Boy, they are definitely trying. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm 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 starting to think, you know, at the beginning of the season we both kind of we didn't believe in them as much, but I'm starting to think that they have lasting power in the regular season at the very least. I mean, w- w- really when it comes down to it, the tournament is just almost total randomness in in a lot of ways. You know, it's it's super hard to predict. So, you not winning the championship doesn't mean you weren't a good team. But even losing early doesn't mean you weren't a good team. And I, I think Baylor is legitimately a good team this year. Yeah. Um, if I had to pick my three teams, and, you know, again, I think that we're all on the same page in terms of, you know, Iowa State, I don't think they really have a shot. Um, you know, as improbable as their run has been, I just don't see it lasting. Uh, Michigan State, I think, would be um, a pretty far-fetched idea um, mm-hmm. to win. And I, I just don't believe in Villanova. I just don't think they have the depth, um, which, you know, if their their game against Baylor was interesting. They have no depth. I mean, that's what doomed them against UCLA. Yes. So they have five, four players that play north of 75% of the minutes. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's going to be really, really hard to win uh, in, in conference play if that is your team. And as, as good as Justin Moore and Colin Gillespie have been, Brandon Slater, you know, they've been great. But there is a limit, and I just don't know that they're going to be able to carry the team through an entire year. Uh, they just... I have my doubts and that, and that's, so those are sort of the three teams that I would pick Um, to wrap this last part up. If you had to pick two teams that have a chance to break the, the, the 12 and, and join Syracuse as an outsider winning the championship, who you got? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with Houston. Um, Okay. I definitely think that they are a very good basketball team that is ranked lower than they should be. Um, man, it's hard to pick a second one. <laughs> I mean, if I had to pick a second one, I would say they wouldn't even be in the poll. Like they'd be a team that kind of shows up. I'm going to go way off the reservation, way off the reservation. I'm going to say Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. They have a they have a, a coach who's been there through the Final Four before, which is a huge thing in March. Um, yes. I don't know why. I don't exactly know why, but it is. And um, it does matter. And they just beat the crap out of Arkansas the other day, <laughs> and they're they're still not ranked. So, um, I think they're pretty good. I think they're good. So I'll go with Oklahoma. Yeah. No, they've been pretty good. Um, it's interesting, sort of how they've constructed their team on the fly um, with Porter Moser at the, at the helm, um, Tanner Groves, the, the Groves brothers, yep. uh, you know, leading the charge there. And Seth in Rogen and Napoleon dynamite. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no, Tanner Groves has been really good this year. His he offensive is, rating good is basketball 125, which is really good, especially given his usage is North of 20. Um, so, Again, I think Oklahoma, the whole big 12 is insane. Um, I was actually looking the other day, um, you know, I I was actually feeling pretty good. I was looking at just West Virginia. Um, They are 39th in the country on defense. And I'm like, okay, Mm. all right, things are happening for them. And I look in the big 12 and that that ranks seventh (laughs) in the conference for defense. Every, everyone, everyone is north of, uh, or is ranked higher than 60th. The lowest is 56th on defense. Just looking at defense. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So who, who anyway, do you pick? Big 12 is going to be murder. Um, I, I I think I'm also on on board with Houston. They they have been sort of my sweetheart team since we started, mostly because I just like the way that they play. They're high effort, mm-hmm. high energy, and they're probably one of the most athletic teams that I've seen play uh they've been really good so far um so houston is my pick there the second pick i'm actually gonna go with i'm gonna do it i'm gonna pick kentucky on this one 
I'm just <laughs> going to sit here and be quiet. <laughs> All right. All right. So here's why. Uh, they have a National Player of the Year candidate in, in it's Oscar. True. They do. Sheepway. Uh, that usually matters. You've got to have somebody in the conversation. Um, and he's been that good. Uh, the issue has been um, developing offense outside of offensive rebounding and putbacks for Oscar. Um, so that is where they've struggled so far. Um, and they've gotten some inconsistent play. Um, Kellen Grady, uh, is like his Ken Palm, uh, category, nearly invisible, but he is shooting the ball really well. Uh, 58% effective field goal percentage, which is pretty good. So maybe try to find him more. Um, yeah, but between Ty Ty and Wheeler, they have to find some offense between those two guys. They are playing together, each of them, nearly 80% of the minutes. But offensively, they have struggled uh, to not, A, not turn the ball over. Or, you know, they're turning the ball over a little bit too much. And they're just not shooting shots that are winning shots. Um, yeah. So... Here, but the positive outlook here, and again, this is before I've really done much research into. I mean, I've watched some UK games, but I haven't went into the analytics. Ty mm-hmm. Ty, I think, has the capability and the potential of becoming that freshman phenom that they were hoping he would become. And if that happens, I believe that they will take off. Um, and they would have a shot to be in the conversation because of the low post presence of Oscar. So that's why yeah. I hold out some hope that they could turn it around and be that good. Um, but, you know, time will tell. Yeah, I'll, I'll add one thing to the UK. And I, I went through all the stages of grief um, <laughs> after I've eventually come to acceptance. So, you know, and, and if last year had never happened, I wouldn't have really been that concerned about it anyway but jay cow man from the ringer he tweet he's a kentucky guy and he tweeted out that uh he, he thinks that cow should play ty ty and mince and grady together and have ty ty be the primary ball handler and kind of make uh wheeler the energy guy off the bench mm-hmm. and um i i thought i think i kind of thought that was true i mean you're just going to have to have shooters everywhere because if everybody can't, I mean, everybody is cold right now at the same time, but everybody can't be cold all the time, you know, and you just need to spread the floor for Oscar and, and stuff like that. So it'd be interesting to see if, if Cal makes some adjustments. Um, yeah. Or if he just sticks with what he thinks is supposed to work. Right. Even if it doesn't. Um, so what was that lineup again? So I don't know. He didn't say the last two. I'm assuming it'd be Oscar um, and he had Ty Ty as the primary ball handler with uh, Mintz and Grady on the wings. And then I don't know who would be the fourth guy. I mean, I, I guess that could probably be interchangeable. You could have, you could have, um, you could have Allen out there who I think is a little more effective than he looks. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have Brooks out there. You could have Toppin out there. You could have Collins, yeah. you know? So I'm, I'm looking at Evan, Mia's website going through some of these lineups. So a Grady Mintz, Shibway, Tai Tai uh, lineup right now has a adjusted team efficiency margin of 7.9, which isn't that great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be interesting to see how that turned out. Now, granted, that's in 30-ish possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think there are some coaching involved <laughs> in, I in how do in too. how that r- group would run. You have to run a different style offense than what they've been doing. But that yeah. again, this is a whole other conversation. We will we will save this. But just yeah, suffice to say, get too far off on this. Yeah, suffice it to say, we would need to see a little bit more happening with that group because right now their numbers don't show that that would be effective. But I agree from a basketball, you know, thinking standpoint, it does seem like a lineup that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Cal should just pay John Beeline a lot of money to come be his offensive coordinator. <laughs> I, I think that'd be pretty cool, but I'm a UK <laughs> fan. So of course. Yeah. Well, and 
you know, money is no object for Big Blue Nation. That's true. Um, all right. Well, that was fun. We we there are a lot of teams, and we basically now know who we know who the, we know, we can narrow it down to twelve. I mean, it's all it's all a game of narrowing it down, isn't it? Yes. So I guess if you're going to go ahead and put in some future bets on national champions, bet on one of those twelve. Um, but now let's roll into our magnifying glass. We're going to take a quick look at um, another uh, determining factor for a national champion, and that is. Luke's custom benchmarks that he oh, has yeah. built <laughs> looking at some different analytical tools. Um, so Luke, what are some of those and, and what are some teams that kind of fit that mold early this season? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go through this kind of quick because this is something I'm planning on writing about in the historical bracketology because um, it really is built on how, what traits um, past champions have had and just trying to figure out what they have in common. And, you know, Bryson was talking about how his is going to be like, his has math equations and stuff. This is nothing like that. This is kind <laughs> of, you could probably say it's anecdotal. I don't think it would hold up in some type of st- statistics class as a good model, but it is kind of interesting um, what you see when you start looking at uh um, It's like a club. What, it's like you have to check these boxes in order exactly. to be in the club. I look at it, you know, as a former teacher, kind of like a rubric, you know, it's like the pieces of the rubric. If you can, you, you need to score on, you, these are what they're scored on, the little blocks they're scored on. Mm-hmm. So, um, one thing is, I, and, and let me, one more thing. This is kind of what I would go by to narrow down who I would pick for a national champion. This is more about filling out a bracket than actually figuring out who is the best team. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is more about tournament success than who's actually the best basketball team. So for one thing, you need to be a top three seed. We established that. I kind of talked about that in the other articles I wrote. Uh, a second one is 25 Which, by the plus way, equals 12. Just for those who are wondering, that's 12 teams. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that narrows it down big time right off the bat. 25 plus wins. That is a, when when uh, seasons used to be a little bit shorter, that was a little bit sketchier. But but since everybody's played about thirty one regular season games and conference tournaments and stuff like that, champions have twenty five plus wins almost across the board. Last year, notwithstanding, because it was a weird year where everybody played less games. Mm-hmm. Um, this rule has been broken, but it holds up pretty well, like eighty something percent of the time. Um, coach has coach needs to have been to an at least an elite eight. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, Kevin Ollie was an exception to this. Of um, course. Tub- Tubby Smith was an exception to this. But if you ask huh. any UK fan, that was Rick Patino's championship and Tubby just was there. <laughs> but even though <laughs> that's obviously not true, but uh, those were the only, I think those are the only two exceptions um, since 1990. I always go back to 1990 because it gives me like a nice, clean 30 year window. Mm-hmm. Um, need to shoot better than 33% from three. Okay. The closest to breaking that rule was 2013 Louisville, but technically they're not the national champion from that year anyway, are they? There's no national champion. Vacant won it that year, mm-hmm. but um, but I think they I think they were actually like a 33.1 or something like that. Uh, Ken Palm benchmarks. This is three. This is a three in one. You got top 25 in Ken Palm adjusted okay. efficiency margin slash top 25 adjusted O. Slash, this is a random number, but top 37 adjusted D. Not top 40, top 37. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and then the final one is you need to be a conference champion. That can be either regular season or tournament. So that's basically six benchmarks that I look for when I'm filling out a bracket and I just kind of narrow it down to the teams that, that meet those six. And there's always a team that meets those six. There's usually multiple. And there have only been, since Ken Palm has kept records since 2002 season, there have only been two national champions that didn't meet all six. UConn. UConn. (laughs) And try to guess the next one. This will be difficult. I've probably asked you this before, by the way. Mm. I know you have, and I cannot for the life of me remember. 
Okay, I'll tell you who it was, and then you can try to guess which of the things that they didn't meet. It was 2015 Duke. Okay. It had to be... Was it their defense? Their defense was 37th or 35th or something. Okay, so they, they made it in. They didn't win a conference championship. They didn't win the regular season or the tournament that wow. year. Really? Yeah. That is fascinating. I knew they didn't win the tournament because they lost to Notre Dame twice that year. Yeah. Um, but they I didn't win the remember, tie, they didn't win the I regular thought, season either. Hmm. I think it was I think it was Virginia. I think Virginia won it. And wow. you know, Wisconsin met all six, UK met all six, but Huh. So that is very interesting. So I know we don't know seating. We don't know mm-hmm. You can't um, tell about wins yet. Wins, we don't. I mean, we kind of know who's on pace, and we don't know mm-hmm. conference champions. But with some of the other stats, we have a an idea. Um, one of the teams that sticks out that I would consider to be a favorite that would not currently meet the qualifications, if I'm reading my stats correctly, would be Purdue. Purdue is correct. They don't. Their defense isn't isn't. Uh, doesn't meet the the thirty seven. It's it's below thirty seven or above thirty seven. However you want to say that. That is that is very interesting. Um, that could and change. The, and the only reason why I find that very interesting uh, would be because they they their uh, rating at the time that we were think. I mean, even since the last podcast recording, they were twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. And so they have backslid. Um, so they're in the neighborhood, but they've played a couple of pretty rough games. Uh, the loss at Rutgers wasn't great. And the uh, the, the scare in, in North Carolina at NC State also not helping mm-hmm. their analytics. Yeah. So basically, if you use projections, so if I project, if I used uh, uh, Bracketology, I think I used Lenardi's. From mm-hmm. a couple days ago, um, not going to use CBS Sports, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, if you if you take the projected three se- top three seeds of his bracketology from a couple days ago, it, I, I went to Ken Palm and I looked at his projected wins, mm-hmm. and I, I just saw which teams were projected to have twenty five plus wins. Um, or I, I I gave it a little grace, and if they had twenty four or twenty three. I just assumed that they could pick up a couple in the conference tournament, and I I, I marked them down. Mm-hmm. If your coach has been to Elite Eight, that's pretty static. They, they either have or they haven't. Um, right. Uh, I went through the shooting percentages for three points, um, three pointers. I looked at the 25, 25, 37 today, and I haven't done it. I haven't even looked at conference champ because how can you predict that at this point? And so basically, just using those five, here are the teams that are that meet them so far. Okay. Baylor, Baylor, Kansas, Houston, Villanova, mm-hmm. Villanova, Ooh. USC, UCLA. Huh. And this will obviously change because as you already noted, it already changed from last week. Right. Duke and Gonzaga are, neither one of them are there. Yeah. So how about that? Uh, what what was uh, Gonzaga's flaw? Three point shooting. Really? Yeah. Now, to be fair, it's thirty two point nine. So. And Duke's is thirty two point eight. Okay. So I mean, you could almost consider them part of the list if you wanted to, because but I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, that could go down. You know, it could go down just as easily as it could go up. So. Well, well they are currently. 293rd in a three-pointers uh, point distribution. So only 25% of their points come from three-pointers, which is pretty low. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the average, the, the D1 average is 31% of your points come from threes. So they are definitely below that, but it's probably because they generate so many easy open layups um, yeah. in their in their half-court offense. So Now, last uh, year they were around 36%. Yes, they were much the better much better at shooting the three and uh you know a lot of that in large part came from uh i think kispert shot pretty well 
uh, from three. If I, if memory serves, yeah, he he shot forty four percent from three, and he shot a lot of them. So mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. helped. Um, and Jalen Suggs, he was a thirty three percent three shooter, um, and he put up over a hundred shots. So that's sort of where all that landed. But yeah. um, you know, they definitely are missing that Kispert. Um, presence of the kickout three. Uh, and so I, it'll be interesting to see how that all, you know, shakes out. I don't think Chet is going to be a big volume three point shooter, even though he he's, you know, perceived to be that receiver yeah. Bolton is really their go-to three point shooter guy it, between him and Strother. Uh, so those would be the players to watch for Gonzaga on Duke's side. I guess, I guess that they just, don't I don't know it's interesting a lot of their guys have been cold the last few weeks Roach is at 25% Keels is at 30% and um, Wendell Moore is at 32% so just across the board they've been pretty cold yeah um, and and that's been a Duke thing for a while, you know, like the Zion Williamson team, they shot like 30% from three, yeah, which was a huge flaw. And, you know, they didn't even make the final four. Um, that Let me point out two more teams, two teams that will not, no matter what, that are very good teams, that, but will not meet all six because they can't because it's who their coaches are at this point is Arizona and Alabama. Hmm. Don't because their their coaches haven't been to Elite Eight. I mean, Tommy Lloyd is first year head coach. I mean, he could pull a he could pull a um, uh, Kevin Ollie. That team's really good. Um, yeah, you know, Nate Oates hasn't been to Elite Eight, and you know that's that that rule is if, as 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 far as all six of those. That one's probably the most flimsy, I would think, depending yeah. on how you see the number thirty seven. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Nate made the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. um, last year. Uh, so he got close, and he was fairly close, if I'm remembering right. Uh, that was – they lost to UCLA in overtime. So, I mean, he was yeah, literally was a really point close. away from being an Elite Eight coach. Yeah. So, um, you know – I, yeah, that, that one that one is probably as close as you're going to get to being that and not meeting the criteria. Mm-hmm. And then you got crazy things like the fact that uh, Rick Barnes is a Final Four coach. Um, <laughs> you know, if you go down the list and look at some of the coaches that have been to the Final Four, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. You know who also isn't in in this club? Will Wade. Will Wade is not in that club. Uh, he also he's been to the sweet 16 and just to give credit um there are other places on the internet you can find similar ideas to this there was a the 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 place i got the idea was this article it's old this guy used to do i don't remember the guy's name but he used to do an article he had different um criteria but it was kind of the same idea some of them are similar but not not all of them are the same i think mine are better and uh I, i agree i'm biased and because he every every year he did it, he narrowed it down to a few teams and he was always wrong. So, um, mm-hmm. but uh, the, and there's some dude on Reddit who makes a post like this. He has way more, which to me kind of defeats the purpose. Like the, the point of this exercise is to narrow it down to as few teams as possible. I mean, you're never going to be 100% correct. That's just not the nature of March Madness. But to narrow it down with the most accuracy you can. Uh, to just a select few of teams. So, so I think this is the best way to do that. Yeah, no, I would agree. Pretty fun to play with along the way. I gotta be honest. (laughs) Yeah. And it's something to track and we will definitely be checking Mm -hmm. in over the course of the rest of the season. Um, But now let's go ahead and transition. We've talked a little bit about it. We've alluded to it earlier. What was Jerry Palm thinking? I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, so for those who, do you, who don't know, he Jerry Palm, bracketology expert, uh, he, for CBS, p- puts out a bracket, kind of like uh, Joe Lenardi for ESPN, 
Um, now, granted, this was updated. It looks the one I'm looking at was updated December 10th. So you know things have happened since, but none of them uh, have made this make any more sense. No, it doesn't really help the cause. So let's just start with the, the one seeds. So he has okay. Baylor. All right, Duke. I can get yeah. that. Iowa State. What? And Alabama. Like, what is this? Yeah. And you know, my favorite part about this is that he has a write-up explaining his bracket. He doesn't even offer an explanation. (laughs) He doesn't even (laughs) offer an explanation for Iowa State on the one seed line. I mean, you have to ignore every computer metric period in order to get them there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even think in the net. I mean, what are they in the net? Uh, uh, that is a great question, and I, I bet they're not. Up. They're probably not top thirty in the net. If I had to guess, I'm not 100 percent sure. But he talks about how the net isn't very useful right now, so I can't imagine he based that on the net. I don't know what he based it on. Iowa State is 17th in the net. Okay, so they're still very far away from top four. <laughs> yes, um, very far away. I mean, Ken Palm has them 50th. So, and, yeah. and looking at, and here's my thing. They didn't, they haven't really beat anybody. I mean, Xavier was pretty good. I mean, Memphis, eh. I mean, they're kind of imploding. Yeah. Uh, Iowa, Iowa, I mean, they have decent wins, but there but, is nobody even close to that top tier. But, I mean, you put them over Gonzaga, you put them over Kansas, you put them over... Uh, I mean, even if even if we aren't projecting, so and I don't know exactly how he does it because he doesn't explain it in his explainer this part either. But even if you were to say, okay, the season ended today, so this is this is who we're going to go with. Um, you know, even just looking at the net, which again, not super helpful. Arizona's number one. Where where are they at? I mean, yeah. at least they're uh, they're the best undefeated team. Exactly. What? How can you? There are three. There are three on here. I have a theory. Okay, <laughs> this is my theory. All right. Um, I don't know if you listen. Uh, shouts to the Ion Basketball, Ion College Basketball Podcast with Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander. Um, mm-hmm. Good podcast. Yeah, I was listening to their preview, their weekend preview one, and Norlander had another guest, and he was talking about how Gary Parrish was having his wisdom teeth removed and was going to be on a lot of meds. My <laughs> working, my working assumption is that Gary Parrish put this together. While he was on medication for his wisdom teeth surgery, that's that's uh, and a couple other gems here. Texas first four, they're in the first four uh, as yeah. an eleven seed. Yeah, they're one of the last four in. UK lost at the buzzer basically to Notre Dame. They went from a three seed to out. They're not even in the tournament. This is crazy. They're out. They're completely out. Wichita State is in over Kentucky. I don't. Uh, Virginia Tech four loss, not not one, not two, not three, four <laughs> loss. Virginia Tech is in the last four. Oh. I, I don't. I. I mean, I Wake mean, Forest I like, is a six. Wake, Wake, Wake Forest is a six seed. Iona is a seven seed. Houston <laughs> is a seven seed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I mean, seriously. Oh, I mean, my gosh. I, Maybe he let his three-year-old just kind of pick and play with this. I, I think I don't, it was Gary Parrish. I think he put I, this together while he was on some super painkillers. Is that's that's what had to be. that's what I'm going to believe. Had to be. All right, so Jerry, we we expect better. We want you to do better. We believe in you. We believe that you yes. can bounce back from this. But in fairness, boy, to Jerry, this is bad. In, fa- <laughs> in fairness to Jerry, like this is a one-time thing. I've never seen. I mean, obviously, being a bracketologist is hard, but I've never seen him put together a bad bracket on this level. So yeah, well, hold everybody, on. everybody gets a stinker. You I know guess. what makes you know what makes this worse? Just for the record, because if this What's was that? if this was actually updated when this says it was updated, December tenth. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, that was Friday. That was before Kentucky lost to Notre Dame. And he still had him out. What did Texas do? <laughs> what did Texas do to follow that? I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't understand. And don't. Oklahoma's not in either for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Kentucky, he must have. 
How did he know? How did he know? He 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 knew. He um, he, he knew. Um, well, let's look at Joey brackets for ESPN. Um, the last four in for him is Florida State, Wake Forest, Memphis, and Northwestern. Wake that Forest seems- is the last four in for Lenardi. Yeah, Lenardi. He's a, yep, a six that's where seed I'm at. for Palm. That's crazy. Okay, um, first four out: Mississippi State. Yeah, um, makes sense. for Joey Brackets, uh, Wichita State, which was in Palm's last four in. So it, it, you're at least in the ballpark. I'll give you mm-hmm. that. Washington State, first four out, um, and I did not see them in in the bracket at all for for uh, well, Jerry Palm. If UK is not in the bracket, how could Washington State be in the bracket? <laughs> honestly, and Texas A and M is the other team that he put that Joey Brackett's put and on the outside looking in, which is fine. I mean, I think all of those are kind of fair, fair judgments. Um, yeah, the, he, ha- he has Texas as a five seed. Which sounds way more, way more accurate yeah. to me. West Virginia as an 11 seed, which, again, makes a lot of sense. Iowa um, State as a four, mm-hmm. which makes way more sense in – yeah, and his one seeds, Baylor, Duke, Gonzaga, Purdue. And I would be yeah. shocked if it's not that when we get to Selection Sunday. Um, maybe a team like Arizona could sneak up, um, but I really Kansas don't could see. be there. Kansas it, could. It depends have, on how dominant they are. If they can beat Baylor, they could take their spot. Yeah, I, I think that's sort of just a flip or flop. It's going to be Kansas mm-hmm. or Baylor. Um He's got LSU as a five seed. Again, I think that's projecting what they will be. Um, Iowa State being a four seed, again, I think that's projecting where they will be because, you know, that's just sort of where they're at. I I can buy all of these, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would say that this one was done a little bit more competently. Um, mm-hmm. He did drop Houston to a three line instead of the two seed. Um, I could easily see Houston taking that two seed back over Villanova. Yeah. Um, and if, if UCLA, as he indicates here, is the automatic qual- qualifier, basically they win the Pac-12 tournament, they're going to be a two seed. Yeah, I agree. I think Arizona is the team I'm most interested in this season. Just because, yeah. for one thing, you know, Bill Simmons talks about distressed assets as far as players mm-hmm. go, Arizona was a distressed asset of a program. Yeah. Um, this year brought them some stability. The, um, um, I'm drawing a blank on the coach's name. Which uh, coach? Arizona's coach. The old one? The Tommy, new Lloyd. One. Tommy, Tommy Lloyd. Tommy Lloyd. Um, he's never been a head coach, but he's been a very successful assistant. Yes. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of an unusual paradigm. It's kind of hard to put them in a box, you know. So they're kind of like uh, um, uncharted territory, I think, as far as uh, programs go. You don't really see programs with that level at that level with that level of talent go through what Arizona has gone through the past few years and then make a coaching change and just light the world on fire like they have. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I mean, the the Sean Miller era did not end well, um, and a lot of more program level turmoil than basketball turmoil. But nonetheless, um, you know, Lute Olson was successful for years mm-hmm. because um, Arizona is in the, a great location to get some Southern California talent. Um, they he began recruiting nationally. Um, and I think you just kind of need that kind of guy, uh, to, to run things because I think the PAC 12 is, is, you know, it's still a power conference, but it's an easier power conference to play in. Um, so I, I, I tend to think that that's a better spot to be for all the reasons that you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, good stuff. I, you know, it's early, so it's kind of hard to pick and it's hard, kind of hard to tell, you know, as you're going yeah. through these teams, are you, are you picking a bracket as if they ended the season today? Um, or are you picking a bracket as you are projecting these teams to be in the future? Um, so I think that is definitely yeah. something that is worth considering when you're looking at some of these projections. But in any case, 
Or um, are you picking a bracket that you saw in one of your dreams right before you woke up and had no you wrote down in a journal and Yeah, I think it was when he was explain. counting backwards sixty four to <laughs> or sixty eight to one. Uh yeah. It just anyway. Um so Jerry Palm, do better. Jerry Brackets, good start. We expect to see continual improvement as we move forward. So mm-hmm. um anyway. All of those uh, good notes aside, we have one more spot that we're going to look at here real quick as before we go in our future vision, and that is where the current state of the player of the year race stands. Um, who, who you got? Who you think has looked good? Um, I know there are some metrics that are out there that have some different guys at different spots. So who's who's been in the leader leaderboard for player of the year for you yeah so i mean my guy this year as far as my prediction has been paolo bancaro i wondered i was like i was thinking why have i not heard anything about him and it turns out that duke hasn't played a game in two weeks (laughs) uh i don't there would be that but um i'm gonna stick with him and a big part of that is like who else is it gonna be i mean i feel like drew timmy he might pick up steam again once conference play starts and he's able to kind of show his uh, – he's kind of in his comfort zone again. But I feel like national media has cooled on him. Now, I guess this is different. Like, am I thinking who I do who do I think is the best player or who I do I think is actually going to win the award? If you're just asking me who I think the best player is, it's Paolo. I think Paolo is the best player in college basketball. Well, there's that. And so, I mean, that pretty much decides it for me. Now, I, I, you know, I think that um, – it's interesting, right? So uh, part of the reason why I wanted to bring this up is if I'm looking and I'm watching the teams play, I've watched a lot of Purdue, I've watched a lot of Gonzaga, I've watched a lot of Kentucky, and I've watched a lot of West Virginia, and I've tried to catch other games as they've been on. I've watched some Ohio State. Um, I've watched some LSU. Uh, mm-hmm. I've Alabama. Some Indi- Indiana, some Alabama. I've watched, Alabama I've watched has it. a contender, I would think. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I completely agree um that you know they have been um a hot team in general but specifically you know Quinterly has been really good mm-hmm. um and Shackelford is probably the the best player I mean he played out of his mind against Gonzaga um and if he's able to keep something like that up I, with the amount of minutes that he's playing um you know I, I think the only thing that hurts his case is Quinterly because Quinterly's been at, you know, pretty good as well. Yeah. Um, but the main reason why I brought, brought all of this up, you know, a lot of the number right now, Ken Palm's player of the year stand, uh, standings have EJ Liddell from Ohio state as yeah. the leader. Um, I just don't see the, I just don't see it. And I, you know, he's been really good from an efficiency standpoint. He's drawn lots of fouls. He's a pretty effective shooter. His offensive rating is pretty good. Yeah, but I I just you know he hasn't been um, a dominant force. Um, he is the reason why Ohio State wins. I will mm-hmm. give him that. Um, when they win, it's because he's playing really good, um, and he is their go-to guy. I mean, so from that standpoint, high usage, high f- efficiency with that high usage, that's good. Um, Trevion Williams has been is the second player on Ken Palm's list. Mm-hmm. When I watch him play, the, basically when it's close down the stretch, and they've had some close games recently with NC State, Iowa, the, the loss to Rutgers, it's interesting because they've got a ton of talent, but yet they will clear it out and post up Trevion Williams and mm-hmm. say, go to work. And, and, you know, that's a lot to put on a 6'10 post player to just create in the post. Um, basically, what Purdue is doing is baiting you to double. And ultimately, that's a, that's a bad decision if you do that. But anyway, he has been really good, but I don't know that he's going to be able to keep that up. Drew Timmy, he was the Ken Palm player of the year last year. Um, he's number three so far this year. You know, he's been really good when he's been good, but he's clearly been limited because when he is the focal point of the defense, 
and they have the athletes to match up with his size, um, that's been a problem. Yeah. So it I don't is, think it that exposes he's, his limitations. He's yeah. still a good player, but it does expose his limitations. Right, and it makes Timmy time happen less often. Oscar, yeah, not as much mustache stroking going on this year. No, not so much. Oscar has has really improved. I will say, um, his effective field goal percentage is like 15 points higher than when when he was at West Virginia, um, and yet he's still rebounding at the same rate or higher. Um, so he's elevated his game at Kentucky, looked really, really good. But I think, as we'll note here, if he is the number one scorer for Kentucky, that's not a good thing for no. Kentucky. And so in yeah. because of that, I just can't pick him as the player of the year. If he were going to win it, um, Kentucky would have to be really good. And unfortunately, it's a, kind of a catch-22 because if he's Kentucky's best player, like you said, then they're just they're not going to be their maximum. He can't be their go-to guy. Um, or we will lose games a lot like we lost. Like, uh, I, I shouldn't say we. I'm trying to be objective. <laughs> UK, UK will it's lose okay. games. <laughs> UK <laughs> will lose games like they did on Saturday frequently. And, I mean, it's not his fault. He's doing everything he can. But we have to have the guards. Go, we have to have the guard play. UK has to have the guard play <laughs> in in order to be as successful as they as they can be. Yes, as as they can be, and so um, that I don't know. That's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, one of my picks, my favorite player to watch is Jay Nivey. Um, love watching that guy. He Just could totally win glass. it. He could totally win it. Uh, he's really good. Um, you know, I've also looked at Evan Mia's website. He, he's got this player breakdown. Um, number one for him, Kofi Cockburn. He could win it. That dude is good. Yes. Um, and he's now, very good, and, and, he's, and people know who he is. You know, he was good last year. Right, right. So there is a, an amount of publicity that matters, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's important. Um, but it, I think it also goes to show how much Illinois was missing him early. Absolutely, um, and trying to reincorporate him. Now, granted, they lost a close one to Arizona. Um, Arizona's but, good, though. But Arizona's really good, and and Cockburn actually played pretty well. Um, he had a thirty percent usage rate. Um, he he, you know, he struggled from the field. Um, they really kind of bottled him up, uh, but he was still able to attack the glass, and so he got a thirteen and thirteen, um, which is pretty good. He did turn the ball over a little bit, and. I just think it's hard for me to see a big man win it because they need the ball brought to them, and it's so yeah. easy to double in the post and they get they get collapsed on. So that's a problem. So, hey, he could he could be at UK right now. Cal could be playing five centers at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> You're not bitter at all. That's not sarcasm in the least, right oh, there, folks. I, I think it would be happening <laughs> if he would have come. Uh, yeah, probably would have. Um, yeah, that would have been interesting, uh, but. Um, I don't know. There, there are a lot of good players out there. The reason why I actually brought this all up is because a West Virginia player, um, since, you know, we're going to go full Homer here. Yeah, uh, I was going to bring it up if you didn't. So is, is Taz Sherman. And let me just say, um, if Evan me has got an indis- indispensability, uh, rating, so basically, these are the players that you that the team could not live without. Um, Grayson Murphy is the winner of that award so far um, for Belmont, which I haven't watched much of Belmont, so I don't really know. Uh, but Oscar Sheboy's on that list for Kentucky as an indispensable cog in their machine. To me, uh, West Virginia is absolute garbage without Taz Sherman. And if you watch any of the games, you realize he's playing about 84% of the minutes. His usage rate is at about 32%. Mm-hmm. Um, his true shooting is at 56% somehow. And he just, um, I, I don't even truly understand what all happens here um, with how he gets his points. But he is averaging a ton. In his last three games, he scored 27 against Kent State, 23 against Connecticut, and 27 against Radford. Um, and 20, or he scored 18 against Bellarmine, 
He scored 28 against Eastern Kentucky, uh, a game they only won by three. I mean, so it's not like he's scoring really high numbers and, you know, it's a blowout. Mm -hmm. West Virginia absolutely needs every single point that Taz is scoring or else they they are not going to get it done. And that's scary as a team that's depending upon their score. Um, Now, ironically, Taz is not the leading scorer in the Big 12 um, at 21.8 points per game because Ochai Agbaji is scoring 22.4 and leading the country at Kansas. Yeah, that so, guy is really good. So Agbaji, I think, has a, has a chance to win it as well. Um, all of this to say it's going to be an interesting season. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch um, who steps up as Player of the Year candidates. But overall, I think... We can. I was afraid that there wouldn't be a ton of talent in the college ranks. You know, they're talking yeah. a lot about how last year's draft class was, you know, way better, really good, et cetera, et cetera. I think that this this season, while you could kind of throw a dart and hit about ten different players, all of those players are really good. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So, um, Luke, any final thoughts before we wrap up tonight? Yeah. Um, Next year, week six, AP poll comes out. We need to we need to have John Gassaway himself on here to explain the magic of the poll. How about let's make that happen? Yeah, no, I will. Maybe we'll, we'll have like seventy five people listening by then. You know, <laughs> maybe we're at the, we're kind of at that pace right now. Um, uh, no, I'll, you know, we'll reach out. We'll see what happens. Um, I'd also like to get Evan Miyaka as a, as a guest. Yeah, for for future references um but i don't know we'll see we'll see who we get um we have no money to give you guys no we have no money we can't really (laughs) provide that much of an audience but it'd be fun it would definitely be fun um so with that um thank you for joining us luke thank you for joining me for another hour conversation of fun college basketball talk and remember you can never study the game (laughs) 